Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the she in enravished. Oh. Enravished. Enravished is a word. I googled it. So that means like surrounded by ravishment? It means... (laughs) You're full of being ravished? (laughs) It means to transport, to have been transported with delight. And that is what we're going to do today. We're going to transport, as always, <laughs> everyone to delight. I have a delightful story. And hi. Okay. Yep. Back to it. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And I learned something this morning. And my okay. first thought was, well, I'm definitely going to tell Joy this because it it just it disturbed me that I didn't know this. Okay. Um, and so every morning at seven thirty, Alexa tells me the weather and an interesting fact and something happy. That's what I asked her to do. Just oh, okay. Like just in case, like at seven thirty, for some reason, I'm still not out of bed, which is rare on an, in a normal week. Right. But still, it's like, okay, Summer, get up. Here's something right. interesting. Anyway, um, do you know why gargoyles are called gargoyles? Because I had never thought about it. And then she told me this morning and my mind was blown. I was standing in front of my mirror brushing my teeth and I was like, what? (laughs) This is wild. They're called gargoyles because they're made to divert water away from the building. But when the water goes through it, it sounds like a it sounds like you're gargling. They're supposed to sound like they're gargling. They're gargoyles. What? Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. So that was the purpose. They divert water away from the building. But for some reason, they made them look like ugly demons. And they're made to sound like they're gargling. What? Huh. It's weird. It's weird. I had, and you know, I had never thought about it in my entire life. I'd never questioned gargoyles. What kind of word? Yeah. Isn't it interesting that gargoyles used to be in? Like that kind of. (laughs) Yes. Like, Do y'all remember when gargoyles were in? Like it's someone, been a while. someone looked at them and they were like, "Oh, how modern!" <laughs> I know. They were like, "This is it." I know. I huh. know. And, okay. Uh, well, interesting. Yeah, and the ones like the the ones that are there, um, they have a different name. If they don't have, if they're not, uh, if they don't sound like gargoyles, they have a different name. I don't okay, remember so what there's it is a criteria. Now. There is a criteria. Okay, I'm gonna Google who has <laughs> the most gargoyles. <laughs> who has who? the most? Tell me oh. who you are. The first thing that came up is Pittsburgh is a hotbed for gargoyles. A <laughs> uh, gargoyle Pittsburgh. hotbed. I like how Google automatically made it an American thing. I'm mm. like, there's no way Pittsburgh has the most no. gargoyles. No. Nowhere in the United States has the most. No. Notre Dame. We're talking like right. Sicily, Rome. Places that are old. Old yes. places. Mm-hmm. What is the most famous gargoyle? Oh, do tell. What the is gargoyles it? and grotesques of Grotesque. Notre Dame. That's the word. Thank you. So if it doesn't 
gargle the water away from the building. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's called a grotesque. Which, why did they do that? Are gargoyles so evil or good? I mean, they look like demons. They're and made of stone. If you go by the end of Beauty and the Beast, the gargoyle. Do you remember when the castle got made new? Uh-huh. They weren't gargoyles anymore that were around the castle. They were like cherubs. You, you remember that transformation? Yeah. I can't get it out of my head. I think about it all the time. <laughs> Does everybody, everybody thinks about the end of Beauty and the Beast all the time, right? That's just a normal experience for everyone. Um, well, so <laughs> no? what, okay. what just popped into my head is that all the people were transformed into furniture. <laughs> yeah. So was the castle <laughs> a castle the whole time or was there a person that got picked to become the castle? <laughs> like what if at the end of Beating the Beast... <laughs> It was just like a big open field. And this one guy was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not a castle anymore. I'm not a huge building anymore. That didn't happen. But apparently the castle was just a castle. The castle was a castle. The cherubs became gargoyles or or maybe grotesque. Why are gargoyles so scary? Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of reading to do. Angry faces. They have very angry faces. The thing is, it's like. They're still made of stone. Yeah. So they can't be evil, right? What? How? One, there was a person that was like, are gargoyles evil or good? Oh, you're saying because they're inanimate objects. Yeah. Well, they're modeled after something creepy and, you know. But not real, certainly. But not real creepy. I think they look like, I think they look demonic. They look horrifying. Yeah. Okay, well. Anyway, but now you know why they're called gargoyles and... You all can thank my 7.30 a.m. Alexa tip for that information. Yes. Um, well, I'm Joy. <laughs> and uh, you're... What do I usually say? I don't know. Anyway, I'm here with my beautiful ghost, Summer. If somebody um, could call in and tell us <laughs> what we normally say, that'd be um, great. So, first of all, yeah. something weird things that I found out today, mm. like seconds before we started... Really? It occurred to me that The Matrix is technically yeah. a 90s movie. It was a 90s movie. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know Does why. Does it blow your but... mind because you feel like it should be not that old? Not as yeah. old as that? Oh, okay. It strikes me as like an early 2000s movie, which it technically, I mean, it was kind of. in 1999. Yeah. So yeah. I guess there's a reason why. But for some reason, I am not... Um, people who were alive and... Um, Watching movies and comprehending mm-hmm. things in 1999, yeah, understand that this was a huge landmark movie. Well, yeah. I mean, like 2000, like 1999 to 2000 was a memorable thing because it was like the new millennium and all yeah. this Y2K and blah blah blah. Lots but for of some reason, never see that. I don't associate that and the Matrix. And the Matrix. Oh, it feels okay. like I would remember those two things happening if they were happening together. Mm-hmm. No, but, I absolutely know the year that it came out and it's not weird to me because for some reason the matrix was such a big part of my life and my childhood somehow i i'm gonna i I uh, yeah i'm not surprised by that i'll tell you guys an embarrassing story are you this is so embarrassing this is embarrassing um okay so around that time when i was like 10 11 yeah that age um my dad was every the end of every January, he would speak at this 
retreat that happened in Pennsylvania for a church that we had a really close relationship with on Long Island. So I spent my summers on Long Island because there's a huge, like there's a Reformed Baptist community there Mm -hmm. and my dad would always be speaking there and the end of January is my birthday and so he would invite me to come with him. Okay. To Pennsylvania where all the gargoyles are. Yeah, to to gargoyles. (laughs) And uh, they would do, they would have a night, one of the last nights of the retreat, they would do a night of like skits. And for some reason, everyone on Long Island is really funny. They all have an amazing sense of humor. Way to go, guys. And they're hilarious. And if I, you're from Long Island, maybe, give yourself a I don't know if back. it's like the Italianness of it. This is a very Italian show. I feel like gargoyles are very Italian. My story is in Italy that I'm about to tell you. Anyway. Oh, okay. Okay. So <clears throat> my dad had this idea of us doing a skit, me, him, and my brother. <laughs> um, and he had a projector. And you know, in the Matrix, the like uh-huh. green letter numbers yeah. and stuff that come down, and that's the Matrix mm-hmm. and whatever. So like the code for the all code. The Matrix. Thank you, yeah. the code. So like he finagled it to where like we were doing the skit while the like code for the Matrix was like shining on us from the back room. Okay, and like he dressed like Morpheus. We had sunglasses on. I mean, we. Is there a video of this somewhere? Um, Maybe. (gasps) There is. There's pictures. It exists, guys. If my dad shares it, I will never speak to him again. Well, (laughs) I purposely had my hair cut because I wanted to look like Trinity for many years. I did not know that. Which, that is a little fact just so about you, know, you that I didn't know. Just so you know, is a hard, it's <laughs> a hard hairstyle. hairstyle. It is, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of gel involved. <laughs> you cut your hair short and then you must slick it down. Did you gel it? I tried, <laughs> but my hair was never black and I never looked like what's her face. I never. Marianne Moss. Yeah. I have, yeah, not a great, that I have a more round face, hysterical. not a great haircut for a round face. I remember being a kid and being like, oh, I want that haircut. And I just wanted just to be cool like her. Didn't and work. I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I had that haircut, I was not cool. I think I probably said five words the entire time I had that haircut. I don't um, think people know how quiet you actually can be. Or like that oh, you yeah. were a very quiet child. There's probably people that I don't think they know. wouldn't even believe yeah. that but that, I but it's talked true. for a living at least partially right um okay well so there's yeah. one other thing okay <clears throat> do you remember i don't know when not that long ago uh-huh kim jong-un <laughs> yes when when in january we thought oh 2020 is so crazy because there was some problems surprisingly not surprisingly with kim jong-un when he yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they reported that he died. Yeah, they did. That's right. But he's, he's not dead. He's not dead. But nobody ever said anything. No, we're not talking about it because so many worse things have happened. <laughs> they then. said he would died. No. They were like, oh, yeah, here's the person taking over I for know. him. And did she and take over? D- no, because he's not dead. <laughs> Do we know why they reported that? I'm pretty sure he died, and Wait. now they're saying he's not dead. Oh, that's what you think. I don't know. I don't it just know. seems like if someone was going to say that, why it is, would be that. Why is no one concerned about this? He's also um, currently, he's confiscating people's dogs. They must all turn their dogs in. 
I anyone who I'm has moving. a dog, I'm moving to, <laughs> to North Korea. <laughs> I'm moving, but <laughs> I was like, okay, well that sucks. But also, why is he alive? Because he died. Is he alive? <laughs> yeah, because wasn't like his sister gonna take over? Yes, or it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. But then, no and one then this cares morning anymore. I wake up and he's confiscating people's dogs, <laughs> and I haven't heard anything about it for almost a year. You guys, join these answers. In, we're in August. I know that's horrifying. How did I not know? I don't know. No. I don't know. I am just, just thinking back to January. Do you guys remember in January of this year when everyone's like, 2020 is so crazy. We almost got into World War Three. This is so wild. And like every single one of us. Nobody had any idea. We had no clue what was headed but our way. I just want to know why there was no yeah. article that was like, oh, by the way, he's not dead. <laughs> Maybe Mis- there our was. mistake. Maybe there was. And we just need to go look for it. I don't know. But who who can possibly trust? what they're saying right that's what i mean like you can't i just they're like yeah well i know if since he's alive air quotes right. you should probably be doing something right well confiscating give us your dogs. dogs give us yeah he said that oh no what if this because there's a food shortage was that did i just take that really dark place i don't know i don't know anyway hi so here we are we're concerned about the dogs in north korea you now know what gargoyles are. I hope you're all still thinking about the end of... I'm sorry. I just need to know why my daughter's crying. <laughs> She's talking, too. Because she let... Sometimes when she cries, she, like, lets spit, like, build up in the back of her throat. And then she sounds like a Wookiee. Oh, that's so sad and cute. But what I'm wondering mainly is... Where is the adult supervision? Right. <laughs> Oh, she's coming. She's coming this way. Hi, Jojo. She's awake. This is cute. So today is a fun... Oh, wait. I should tell you guys a couple things. Number one, t-shirts. Still, buy two, get 10% off. Um, Leave us a voicemail at 404. Wait, no. (laughs) 470. That's my phone number. (laughs) 470. Everybody call me. No, please don't. <laughs> yeah. Four, four, seven, well, it's oh. okay. They only got three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 470-465-0475. Leave us your voicemails. Ask us questions, comments, concerns, songs. If you have an accent, especially, please call. Um, and what else do I need to tell them? Um, book Club's going great. You can join at patreon.com slash theologians. We're going to be having to pick up a new book soon, which is shocking and appalling in some ways because how is that even possible but anyway yeah that's it um tell us what we're talking about today joy oh um my idea was just well and it was totally based off of a topic that i'm not doing anymore um (laughs) but that's That's okay um so uh basically i was just like maybe we should just share something interesting slash edifying with our listeners yes so basically our job was to just come up with something interesting interesting to say say, (laughs) which i feel like we already did um everyone's googling north korea dogs right now (laughs) i just don't it's impossible for me to care about the plight of the dogs when you don't understand. He okay. came back to life. I'm sorry I took it back here, you guys. I just... Joy's not over it. She's having a hard time. Okay. Sorry. 
Am I going first? Oh, yeah, I still first? don't know what's real <laughs> in that whole thing. I still don't know what's real. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 2020. And then I found out that there are pictures of Summer <laughs> dressed up in... Doing a Matrix skit. Yeah, things Dr. Are... White is dressed up as Morpheus. Wait, did you say Morpheus? Morpheus. Okay. Those things are wild. He had a long trench coat. I'm going to stop talking about that now. Oh, I believe he just no had a long trench make... coat no one... around. Before oh, yeah, around. the Matrix even came out. He was like, this will go great. The Matrix will go great with my black trench coat. <laughs> Please, no one make any inquiries. <laughs> no one make any inquiries. No one, if you ask my dad for that photo, I will never speak to you again. And I'm talking to you, the listeners, <laughs> not Joy. Yeah, I'm allowed to ask. But I will never talk to you again if you ask him for that. We'll have a list. I, I'll know who it was. Anyway, am I going first? You're I would first. say you'll be Kim Jong-un to us, but he's alive. So <laughs> I will come and I will steal your dog. <laughs> oh, it's um, Sorry, we're looking for person. a missing lunchbox. It's in the purse. Update. I don't have the lunchbox. We don't know where it's, the purse is. But the food is in the diaper the food bag. is, it's going to be located. And then Georgia won't be upset anymore once the food is located. Isn't that the most relatable? That's so relatable. Right. Anyway. Okay. Am I going first? Are you going first? I can't wait. Um. Okay. Then you go first. Okay. Yay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so I have been wanting to talk to you about this. And I have men- I mentioned it in passing. And then I told everyone that if they Googled it without waiting for me to talk about it, that they're in trouble. So hopefully no one did. Because this is fun. And I've been waiting to tell. I hope you don't know about this. I'm going to be upset if you do. Okay. So don't I'll tell just pretend me. like I don't know. No, I need to know. I can't live like okay. that. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to take you back in time today. Back to when gargoyles were in to a distant and faraway land called Italy. Rome. Oh, it's very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you about a mysterious woman named Julia Tofana, who is perhaps one of the deadliest persons who has ever lived. I think I know of her, but I don't. If I'm, she lived. Oh. If she I've lived. heard the name before, but <clears throat> I'm d- I don't. Uh, okay, great. Good. Know enough about good. this. Okay. So first, I'll give you a timeline. So we're in Rome. It's the middle ish of the 1600s and please keep in mind that I am not a historian or a ge- geographer or a doctor but I am going to do my best um, I did get all of my information by the way from a guy named Mike Dash he has a apparently he loves history because he has a whole website and he's just like here's random stories from history and it's pretty cool Dash Mike Dash that's a great name for a writer it is Mike Dash it's really great I like dashes very dashing okay mm-hmm. um so i got my information from mike dash and i got my information from a blogger named genevieve carlton okay so back in rome 1650s it's a dangerous time okay back then people were dying of all kinds of diseases that we're not afraid of anymore right like dysentery and you know childbirth was really dangerous yeah. um and we're just not concerned about that stuff today um, the Roman Catholic Church was doing its thing, you know, lots of corruption. Also dangerous. Lots of abuse. People were dying of the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> lots of apathy <laughs> towards women and life in general. So <clears throat> I say all this because it was such a it was such a different time than any of us can relate to today in terms of, 
you know, uh, the church and state essentially being the same thing and the abuses that were happening being just mainstream and normal. And, um, if your dad was telling the story, yeah, this is the moment where he would like go backtrack and give you like a 30 minute foundation of what it would be like to live in that time. And I am not going to do that. So just try to (laughs) wrap your head around. Well, just insert here, whatever my dad would say. You all know what it is, right? Okay. So I just want you guys to understand. This time was so different. And one of the biggest examples, one example I'd like to make of how different this time was, and I learned this as I was reading about this, was that women used to put deadly poison in their eyeballs because it would make their eyes dilate. And that was really considered very attractive. So they did it just right in their eyeballs. Just... Was Belladonna. That was uh-huh. the main purpose of Belladonna mm-hmm. in women's cosmetics. It's so interesting. So what pretty. Beauty standards have. I can't oh, think, your of eyes the, are so I think of the last time I. I know. Um, like looked to see if someone's eyes, eyes were, were dilated. dilated. And you know Much what? Much less. If someone's eyes were dilated, I'd be like, hey, are you all right? Is everything what's okay? Going on? Or Is it the drugs or it, the yeah. Belladonna or, or what? Why have you been putting poison in your eyeballs? Huh. So. That is how different the time was. Okay, stage, set, great. Okay, so Julia Tafana. So her story is a little bit of legend. And and it's definitely based in truth, but historians don't all agree on the details around her. Um, so if you're reading about it, what I found was some people even put her in an entirely different century than others. Oh, um, so it's really interesting. Um. I'm going to stick with one of one version of events for the sake of telling the story. Um, and But I just want you guys to know, not all the accounts conflict. Okay, so Julia Tafana, she made and sold cosmetics for women. Remember at a time where cosmetics mm-hmm. were not what they are now. Cosmetics were uh, an eyedropper with poison in <laughs> poison. it. And you just poison. You put it on in your eyes. Just put and it on in your, your eyeballs. It's fine. Um, so one product she made in particular was so popular that Mozart, a century later, if we're taking this timeline, uh, Mozart was convinced that someone had given one of her products to him and that's why he was dying. He said, quote, I will not last much longer. I am sure I have been poisoned. I cannot rid myself of this idea. Someone has given me aqua tofana. What is aqua tofana, you say? Well, I will tell you. So aqua tofana was Julia Tofana's special product, and it was specifically designed to help women secretly murder their husbands. Because inside of this cosmetic was a tasteless, colorless, and odorless poison, and it was hidden in a bottle that would look to be like just a normal women's cosmetic. It would be like if you walked over to my vanity and opened it up and oh right. there's stuff what is it my husband doesn't why know why is this bottle of poison in here <laughs> right, right 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 no reason right here so it looked like a normal bottle with some kind of cosmetic product but really it contained enough poison to kill a man with only three to four drops some accounts say so the most popular account says it was a mixture of arsenic belladonna and lead I think that would do the that job. That would definitely do the job. She packaged it. I mean, probably just arsenic on its own would have 
Some say it was just arsenic. But so there's who am I, I'm not gonna conflicting stories. I'm not gonna uh, critique yeah. the master. No, Aqua Tifana. So um, it looked like a typical women's you know product, or and sometimes it. So remember, this is a very different time. Everyone, if you lived in Rome in the 1650s, chances are you're Catholic. So right. it was dressed up sometimes to look like a uh, what they called a religious healing oil. That no, and specifically so that no husband would be like, oh, this is a bad item. Because it's a healing oil. Hello. Or it's just her makeup. I'm not worried about it. We have healing oils now, too. We do. (laughs) So um, at first, before it got to the healing oil stage, she uh, disguised it as a powder. And like women would just put it on their dressing table and it would just be next to like their other, you know, lotions, perfumes, whatever they use. Um, and then eventually over time, because she sold this product for 50 years, Mm. um, eventually it was hidden in small vials that had the image of St. Nicholas of Bari on it. And the vial claimed to be quote, manna of St. Nicholas of Bari. Um, and it was supposed to look particularly religious. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. So I'm going to mute that. Julia Tafana was not the only one in her family who was a poisoner. She was, uh, her mother was actually executed in 1633 because she was accused of murdering her husband with poison. And it's possible that it was the same poison and that this was like a family family, recipe. Yes. And Mm. it didn't end there because Julia's daughter uh, was also part of the family uh, business. So. Um, it's possible that... It's Ju- amazing they had any lineage at all, <laughs> right, given how uh, quick they were to murder their husbands. I know. Well, here's the <laughs> other thing. Part of the... So Julia herself uh, was a widow and her husband died. Oh, was she? <laughs> her husband died mysteriously. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, yeah. surprise. Okay. So, okay. The only way you could be in the in-group. So, she, so Julia had this business. She was a widow, which was not uh, being unmarried back then. Bad. Being widowed. That's okay. We'll we'll keep Mm -hmm. you. It's fine. Okay. So she had a bunch of women that were working with her in her shop and they were all in on what this was. And they were all widows. And It was crazy. It's like a club of widows. It was wild. Okay. So the only way that you could be sold the Aqua Tafana was by referral. So this was, you know, they had a strategic way that they kept this on the down low. You had to be referred uh, to purchase it. And some accounts even suggest that Julia went so far as to conduct some sort of background check before she would even sell you the product. So she didn't. um, And it was a very full orbed service that she offered. She didn't just hand you aqua tafana she would also make sure that her clients knew how to use the product and how to avoid suspicion so this was like a whole enterprise so one of the reasons the poison was so popular was that it worked very slowly so on day one there might be some you know very mild symptoms something like a cold or a flu they might even call a doctor and the doctor would be like oh yeah we've seen this before you know, you that's have what would make me think that it's like a mixture of things, right? Because I'm pretty sure it wasn't immediate. arsenic kills you. Like it pretty doesn't quickly. take much to just <laughs> right. lay you out. Right. 
so the slow action, like the sl- the it was a slow acting poison, and so there were some benefits. The, there's some reasons why that was particularly popular. Number mm-hmm. one, it wasn't like you put a drop in someone's soup and they just like passed out, and over, foamed yeah. at the mouth and died. Um, but so one, it, it was like a an advancing disease. So basically, this idea that like you start small and then it would get more and more they intense just got over sick. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's also the fact that it gave the dying man time to get his affairs in order. Um, and basically, because they were also very, you know, they were very Roman Catholic, there was also that chance for them to repent of their sins, confess, and, you know, basically... Oh, how nice. Yes. The women were like, you know what? I, this poison is going to allow me to dispatch my husband into heaven. So, you know... I don't have to feel too bad. Then, so once... We're pretty good at rationalizing yeah, things, aren't we? aren't we? So once the husband died, Julia would coach the women to demand a formal autopsy. Because, of course, nothing would be found. Right. The poison didn't cause, like, any kind of internal damage that could be visibly seen. And then the woman would definitely be able to avoid suspicion because she was, you know... She was coached to play the part of the grieving widow that wanted answers and, you know, she would avoid suspicion that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was great. The husband, the husband is dead. He got his affairs in order. He repented and is off on his way to heaven and she got what she wanted. So uh, according to most accounts, uh, most of the women involved in this scheme over the 50 years, they were coming to... Julia Tafana because of abuse. So th- mm-hmm. that is a, a big part of the story. Um, so in- Well, that's the thing is most, like it seems pretty psychotic to watch someone you love slowly die. But for them, that, not I'm not going to make a, a complete blanket statement here, but right. for the most part, right. the only reason why a woman would do that is um she's been slowly abused right over time. yes yeah <laughs> yes it's not common for a woman to just want Randomly to be brut- like, <laughs> like experience right. the brutality of killing someone right so that's part of why i wanted to talk about this because so in rome at that time and just at that time like in general divorce was not a thing and women especially had no rights within yeah. marriage i've read lots of stuff um and this is something um our friend elise wrote about about in popes and feminists but the mm. the church's view the state's view at the time of women was just horribly low it was like yeah if your wife is misbehaving you should beat her right type of wickedness right um and so the women really were voiceless in a way that you know i don't think our modern mind can really understand right. we like to think that, right but, but it's <laughs> you know it's like back then it was generally agreed upon that it's okay to beat your wife right at least now so there was no even if you are a wife beater you have to say that you don't right you know yeah. <laughs> it's a completely different view and i'm not saying like whatever don't read into what i'm saying what i'm not saying okay we're against abuse we are against <laughs> abuse so even even the like aristocratic families and rich women back then like they would just be sold off into these arranged marriages you know to form alliances and all this stuff and it was a really really tough time um and so the women essentially felt that um 
Julia felt that she was doing a very humanitarian thing. Like she was saying, you know, the only people that she sold this to that a part of one one person said that like a part of her background check on the women was that like the husbands that they were planning to kill were actually abusive. Right. Husbands and um, that she, you know, Julia was and her team of women that worked in the shop, they were on a mission. It was like, we, we're not going to just kill men. We're here to protect women. That was like what they believed. Well, and in a very weird way, like I can track with their logic. Sure. Because even in the situation, they're allowing the men to become like even before they die. Right. So they're not just like they're they're giving them the right. opportunity to to get right quote, quote yeah quote yeah according to the Catholic Church yep. and then and then die die it's such a that's so they're kind of like healing the whole situation they they think they're healing the whole situation and that is what that's what's so interesting about discussing the story is that you almost sound like you're gonna ha- like even just telling the story it sounds like I'm justifying. Right. What they did, which of right. course I'm not, but it's no. like you look at the situation and it's like, wow, that was really awful. And I understand, I understand their logic. Like you said, I can follow their reasoning. Obviously, mm-hmm. they were totally and completely in the wrong. Right. But um, it's just a really interesting case study if in any of this even happened. Right. If it happened, <laughs> desperate times, desperate measure, measures. Mozart believe it happened. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so she believed she was being helpful, humanitarian. These women were being beaten. They were being abused. No one's going to protect them. They can't leave the men. And even if they did leave the men, this is another thing we can't relate to. Even if, let's say they, for some reason, were able to successfully leave their husbands, their really only option was to turn to something like prostitution to survive the way that everything was set up. So she felt she was giving them an out, um... And because being a widow at the time was not, you could be a widow and right. not be a societal outcast. Mm-hmm. You couldn't be a divorced woman. Right. That wasn't an option. Um, so Julia, for instance, was a widow. And that was one of the reasons why she was allowed, even allowed to work in a commercial aspect in the way that right. she did. Um, so anyway. Okay. So. This went on for 50 years, for 50 years somehow. And I I also can't help but think about the like sisterhood around keeping this kind of giant secret for decades. I mean, I haven't even, haven't even been alive for 50 years. Like I have no idea what it's like to keep a secret for 50 years. Mm -hmm. Like I just, and, and I kept thinking, I'm like, how did she not get caught? And it's like, well, it's that sisterhood aspect of like, if one of them goes down, who, right. They're going to find out who else bought Aquatafana and husband died. You know what I mean? Right. Like if, if you if one person talks like anybody that can be found is going to be found out. in right. this. So it's like a huge secret. Um, so there's a couple different accounts of how she got taken down. And I'm going to tell you what seems to me to be the most reliable. So in the 1650s, one of her clients changed her mind so the story is she bought the aquatafana from julia mm-hmm. she took it home you know she went through the background check she got coached on how to do it um and she started the process she put a couple drops in her husband's dinner which was a liquid it was soup mm-hmm. um and basically 
he was about to begin to eat the soup. And she was like, no, stop. Don't eat the soup. And he was like, what? And she was like, don't eat the soup. And she freaked out. He started beating her. Why can't I eat the soup? Why can't I eat the soup? You know, he's he's beating it out of her. And she tells him, I put poison in the soup. And so he turned her over to the papal authorities in Rome, because that's who you turn people over to. Um, She confessed and we think was executed for trying to kill her husband. And they beat her. They tortured her until she told them about Aqua Tafana. So. She couldn't have just been like, it, it tastes really bad. Well, I think part I of it. I just had some and it tastes really bad. <laughs> I don't want you to have it. No, um, didn't work out. And I think part of the reason they then they tortured her to find out, you know, is that they didn't think she was like smart enough. Right. To Capable enough. Do to this find, on her own. Yeah. So uh, somehow Even there was poison there just was poison everywhere. Yeah, it was a very... The more I read about this, the more I discovered, like, people were terrified of being poisoned back then because, like, it was pretty common, actually, to and poison people. They had really no way of... Detecting like, it. Like, you're or, talking about an au- having an autopsy right. done. Like, that doesn't look like anything. What it looks, what like, it looks now, like today. Right. And, so, yeah. um, the story goes that Julia caught wind that the... Uh, fingers had been pointed at her and the authorities knew and she went to a church and asked for sanctuary and they they did grant they granted it to her um but so the church gave her sanctuary and i guess you know again hopefully my dad's not listening to this because he would know but i guess if a church grants you sanctuary like you can't can't touch him right like that's it but then someone started a rumor that julia in her anger had poisoned the water system in Rome. And so like people grabbed pitchforks and went to the church and they were like, give us Julia. Uh, And the church was like, sorry, there's an angry crowd outside. You got to (laughs) go. And so they, they turned her over um, to the papal authorities who again, tortured her. And until she confessed that between the years of 1633 and 1651, she had been selling this product and, killed over 600 men during the time that's what she confessed to 600 Mm. so some people are like well then it must have been higher because she only confessed to like that was her like she must have lowballed it is what what they're saying so then again she may have kept meticulous records right as women do right as we tend (laughs) to do so Um, she may have been like no it's exactly 611 right (laughs) right Trust me, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so wow. in sixteen in July of sixteen fifty nine, Julia, her daughter, and three of her employees were executed by the Church of Rome. Uh, public execution, and that was that. So uh, some of Julia's clients were also punished. So some of the people that she sold to, um, they did work on tracking them down, and many of them were executed or thrown into prison. And this was really the height of the like poison hysteria. Mm -hmm. So some people kind of, in some of the accounts, it's like this was a witch hunt um, because of all the fear surrounding. Right. Um, And some people are like. All of a sudden, every single person (laughs) is looking at you if Uh you're a widow. Right. And you're like, no. Right. It. 
It was it, it was one of the many other really diseases <laughs> that we don't know about right now. Right. Right. So and like so this was this story was so popular. Like I said, um, Mozart was very ill and he was like, I know someone's given me Aquatafana. I know that's why I have this. I know I'm dying. Um, Mozart, who are you beating? <laughs> right. Mm, Mozart, what are you up to? So anyway, I have I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> about this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just one of the main thoughts I have on it is that I think there's a huge misunderstanding about, um, I don't know, maybe I've just expressed myself poorly or whatever. Um, but I do think that if you mercilessly beat your wife um, to the point, like, I believe, like, you sh- you forfeit your life. If you physically assault people um, in such a way that they could die, um, I-, I believe that all of those men should have been held, held accountable. And right. so the question then becomes, what were the women supposed to do? And I don't know that I have an answer. Right. I, I don't have an answer Because obviously we're not, we don't uh, not believe in the concept of self-defense. Right, right. But the way that... But the way that they did it, obviously you right. can't argue self-defense. Um, a slow poisoning is, right. is, I think, a sign of a guilty conscience uh, right. that they're doing it in the first place. The fact yeah. that they wanted to do it in such a way where it really wouldn't be that painful and they were able to repent so they could go to heaven. Of course, we don't believe that's how you like. Right. We're not Roman Catholic. Um, and so the way that they had, you know, priests come and absolve them, obviously. Right. Not. Well, and it's like, well, but they had no other option, but that's never been an excuse to circumvent right. the law. Right. And, uh, and, and under biblical law. Because that's law, how you get into a lot of injustice is right. when you start to take the law in your own hands. Right. Like obviously the, it, you're not supposed to take the sword into your own hands uh, and the state should be the one that does that, but they're living in a state that would never do that and wouldn't protect them in that way. And so it just brings up a lot of, you know, questions about law and how we view these things. And um, I would say that in in such cases where the men are beating their wives, you know, divorce is a mercy, a biblical mercy. Right. Um, And I know there's a lot of different views on that, but... um, I absolutely think, you know, husbands that uh, beat their wives and are physically violent to their wives and that's their way of life. They should absolutely be um, divorced. And I think there's lots of biblical um, warrant for that. But anyway, just I had a lot of (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts about that. And it's just interesting. The the sisterhood aspect that was involved there where for 50 years they were able to get away with this and they clearly believed in their mission like. They believed yeah. in what they were doing. Um, and I think that part of that just speaks to the power of women. But then also, I think uh, we have to be careful when we hear stories like this, because if the I think if the genders were reversed, would we would we be like, oh, wow, so ingenious. Oh, wow. The brotherhood. Right, like yeah. you wouldn't. You would no. just be like, wow, that's disgusting. Like, right. look at those horrible, awful men. And then I think when women do it, we tend to have a lighter eye towards it. We tend to judge it less. We tend to think it's it's not as bad. Right. Um, and we find all way all kinds of ways to justify it. Well, um, yeah, it's not. It's certainly in that moment. It's it's not about like justifying and rationalizing the wrong that people do in the presence of like a corporate, gov- uh, corrupt government. Mm-hmm. 
it's about indicting the corrupt party. Like right. the issue. Right. It it doesn't you don't need like when something exists within mm-hmm. uh, a context, mm-hmm. you can look at that context and instead of being instead of praising women for killing their husbands and circumventing the law, mm-hmm. you should look at the Catholic Church at that time mm-hmm. and the corruption that was going on right there. That is that is the real takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there isn't a. Um, unfortunately, because it's history. Yeah. And it already happened. There yeah. isn't a way for us to scrub that right. clean just because we right. tell a nice story about women who took right. justice into their own hands. Right. Um, and we're incredibly know. unjust as a result. And obviously we don't know, like, I, I'm not a court of law. Right. Um, I'm just giving my opinion right now. And I don't even necessarily know if I know if what you just told me is the what actually right. happened. Yeah. So, so you have to be careful. Right. Sort of. We know <laughs> we know what we can say for sure is that there was a time in Rome where husbands were being intentionally poisoned on a mass scale. Uh Abusive husbands. Right. They were intentionally they beating were their intentionally wives. <laughs> beating their, they were being taken out. Right. Um, and it's just, a, it's a microcosm of, I just think, the sinful heart under like a pressure cooker from both sides. Right. It's like, well, you're doing this, so I'm going to do this. Right. Um, and it's difficult to look at because part of you is like, okay, well, I, how can I sitting here in 2020, you know, go back and say, well, this is what everybody should have done. Right. I know what you shouldn't have done. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't have beaten your wives. You right. shouldn't have killed your husbands. None of the, the church should not have been doing what it was doing, but that's, you know, that's all very clean and sterile and not really how history works. Right. Um, and so anyway, which is like a perfect segue into my oh, great. story. Good. Um, it's not really a story. It's just mm. kind of a little tidbit um, okay. of just, I don't know. It's cool. Okay. Um, like I said, I was going to do something mm. before. And then I I did that thing where I sort of Are you ever gonna do looked around the, the thing before. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. I'll let it go then. No. Letting it, letting it go. Um, you know, and then I have a few stories that I just always kind of go back to. And I'm like, well, maybe this time I'll realize it's good enough to get into a show. Right. Still hasn't happened hasn't yet. Hasn't happened. Okay. Um, but so uh, it's funny because I think the last story I told, was that the one where we talked about the twins? Yes. So the last story thing we did? Yes. It's so funny because that was in Germany. And this oh, one's all back my in Germany. Okay. I don't know why I'm so obsessed. I don't consciously think <laughs> about Germany at all. Sorry okay. to our anyone who's Germanic. Yeah. Which is all of us. Um, Wait. What? It's so weird. Actually, one of my other stories that I sort of look at and then leave. Yeah. Also involves someone from Germany. Germany this is interesting. Okay. okay. Huh. Uh, maybe one day I'll talk you guys think through my okay. strange. We'll just do an episode on uh, Germany. <laughs> we, we've also, we have kind of done that. We had the monster episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's gracious. Just... We love Germany around here. Yeah. Just a hotbed, just like Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> it's gargoyles. Um, okay. So anyway, um, there's a museum in okay. Germany called uh, the Citadel Museum. Okay. And they have, oh, dang, I didn't um, actually write down the name of the 
exhibit, it's going to be right here, somewhere close by, if I can find it. <laughs> I believe um, in you. I believe. I know it's like right here, but I just can't. Okay. Um. Well, anyway. We don't need it. Yeah, it's fine. Um. I just know I'm like scanning, but I'm just looking right over it because right, I'm just because that's okay. what's happening. Anyway, so this is a permanent exhibit there, and they uh, it is an exhibit that houses the undesirable parts of history. Okay. Some of Berlin's history. There's some okay. like there's some um, there's like a lot of statues of colonizers. Oh, um, colonizers. And then there is a big uh, church bell with a swastika on it. Oh, there's a huge, um, there's a head of a 60 foot tall statue of Lenin, which I don't, the statue is 60 feet tall. So I don't know how tall that makes the head, but it's big. Yeah. And also you wouldn't believe how many big statues of Lenin <laughs> there are and statues in general of Lenin there are. Do any of you know who like, Lenin is? Do people know? Other than on Antarctica. Right. You, there's one <laughs> on every continent. In a like, Let's put it this way. There are way more than you think there are. It's too many, honestly. Um, <laughs> one is too many. Right. Um... So anyway, so you, this is sort of the, you get the idea of the type of things that exist in this exhibit. But a part of the exhibit too is that like they, um, they, instead of, uh, I guess they display mm. these things okay. in an unconventional way. What does so that like mean? Lenin's head is on its side oh. or if there's a statue, they display it like, they display it so that when you're looking at it, you're at eye level with it instead mm. of looking up, up at it. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. And you're encouraged to talk and touch and climb around. And if you want to say, man, I hate Nazis, like loudly in the exhibit, they encourage that's encouraged. That? Oh. Um, so it's in, it's just an interesting... Uh, huh. It's interesting, I think, because of our culture's current um uh -huh. view on yes. history and we were just talking about history how you yeah. can't it already happened so yeah. you can't you can try to create little legends of people to yeah. redeem parts of history mm -hmm. um but history exists as it is right um what happened and you know sometimes we get this idea that history is not objective because Sometimes we have different accounts of what happened or whatever, but right. let's just put it this way. Whether you know what happened or not, what happened is what happened. What happened happened. <laughs> so you can do nothing about you it. You can't. The idea of this exhibit. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I don't agree it, to the full extent of the philosophy behind it necessarily. Yeah. Just because I don't totally know. Right. Why they uh, did this. But yeah. um I I appreciate the sentiment behind it. I think that it's like a creative way to say like we are memorializing this because we're remembering it. Right. We're not memorializing we're not it because... We're trying to sterilize it and pretend that it didn't happen. Right. Like and, this is real. This happened. Right. And just because we have yeah. an artifact. Yeah. Just because we 
maintain the memory of this thing does right. not mean that inherently we are supporting it. Right. right. Or or remembering it in a glowing sort of way. Right. Um, well, and there's danger. How many people listening to this have no idea who Lenin is? And that's not a right. judgment. But right. I think that we live in a time of wanting to sterilize. We want things to be so clean. We want there to be no sin that uh, there's danger in not knowing who Lenin is. Well, I had, um, and this is not like, this is, uh, this is a, something I heard from someone that I trust, but I'm not saying this is like a happening large scale in the United States or anything. Okay. But I have a friend, uh, who, no longer sends her kids to public school, but did at one point and said that in their world history class, they were not learning about the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Though that's very popular. And, um, yep. And then you see, you know, this kind of goes along with stuff that, that we currently see where people are demanding that certain statues be torn down and destroyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that like the memory Mm -hmm. of certain people needs to be erased. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really difficult because some, and this kind of has to do with like some of the other stories that I have. Yeah. It's there are so many people, so many sinners have cr- have contributed mm-hmm. to the world. <laughs> um, seems like a duh thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not. It's not. That's a very simple statement. My feelings about that are not yeah. very simple. Right. The best way you said it earlier is I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, we're not yeah. necessarily giving you all those thoughts in the show, right. but I do think it's, um, it's interesting that we must coexist with the entire history mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to keep it smaller, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just even like your local history, right. you ex- you are a part of that. Right. So there has to be, I'm I'm not necessarily going to give you all my thoughts, but the Christian especially mm-hmm. is the only person that can like uh, look at history m- in a meaningful way and say right. that is wrong. This is wrong. Right. You know, um, regardless of uh, because well, currently. Uh, culture and society is what builds morality right uh but that's not we know that's not true not the case so you as a christian need to be able to look um at history in an objective way using uh god's law right to determine how you feel about how things happened and how you remember them and how you teach them to your kids right and not that you don't uh, necessarily teach them certain things just because right. they're uh, bad, but that you teach them. Well, so I'm sorry, but like uh, colonization, mm-hmm. that's something that uh, has a negative connotation mm-hmm. in today's world because it means that somebody busted down the door of somebody else's culture mm-hmm. and just took over. Mm-hmm. But at this point, that's been happening for thousands of years. And like, do we, what do we do? Thousands and thousands. Do we draw it back to the first person who busted down the first door? Right. And make them apologize? Right. Well, it was Adam and he busted down the door of the garden and ruined that all for us. Right. 
Well, and here's another thing. Here's another reason why you have to think about this. Every time you read a psalm written by David, you are reading the words of God spoken through a man who killed another man and Mm -hmm. stole his wife. Right. How do you, if you are of the opinion that anybody who has been problematic towards other people ever at any point in their life can't be looked up to, then you just scrapped like everyone. Right. In the Bible, you scrapped people that God used. How about the guy that wrote most of the New Testament? Right. Well, and a murderer. They don't, they're, what's redeeming about them isn't that they made it into the Bible. Right. I want that's you guys not to why they were. That's not why they were redeemed. <laughs> right. They were redeemed the same way that you were redeemed. Right. Um, which is through Jesus. And yeah, it's, I think that we, we are being, there is an agenda here. There's a plan happening here for why people are taking down monuments. If you want to control a people, part of the thing, one of the things you have to do is erase their history right. completely. Um, and just so you know, it's not going to stop with, uh, Confederate flags or monuments because we are talking about the fact that, uh, there, there are people already making the argument that, that the gospel, that the Bible is problematic because it was written by patriarchal, sinful men, murderers. They're calling David a rapist. There is a problem with doing this. Okay. And the problem is that we are transporting our very human reading of the text in order to erase what God has said. And and you're forgetting that um, you as a Christian, you as a human, you are problematic. Right. You are well, problematic. And if you in the wanna, way if you want to get into privilege, yeah. <laughs> you are uh-huh. taking mm-hmm. y- your privileged opinion. Mm-hmm. You are the most if you are in the United States right now, chances mm-hmm. are you are part of the most privileged people that's ever that lived. has ever lived. Uh-huh. Um, and you can't. I'm not saying don't you dare look at um, a group of women in Rome back in the day and judge. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying do not transport today right. back to then. Right. Because it existed mm-hmm. in its own. Yeah time yeah and it already happened the way that it happened so the way that we are handling history Mm -hmm. is not even coherent right now right you you it's not as though it's like well no judgment because it happened a long time ago no (laughs) No. you may absolutely judge history judge with a righteous judgment but and you can't but you can't change it right you can't pretend it didn't happen and you can't you know if you want to erase everybody that has ever been problematic, like you can't even apply your own. Right. Nobody, nobody should care about your opinion then. Right. And it's not that we're saying, oh, it's all the same and it's no big deal. But at some point, Christians have to be mature enough to wrestle with the fact that David is called the man after God's own heart. And David was a murderer. Right. And David was a wife stealer. So what mm-hmm. does that mean? Right. And if you haven't wrestled with that yet i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend that you do and that you allow the text to win (laughs) um or you're wrong well because some people who did that were put to death right right and then 
So I think David has called him a yeah. man after God's heart. I just I, I think our encouragement probably is just that we should be willing we shouldn't be the monument terror downers. That we uh, we don't desire to honor wickedness in any way. No. We're not trying to honor wickedness. But erasing of history doesn't make your hands clean. And no. it doesn't make history clean. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you can do, um, we should know who Lenin was. And we right. should know who Hitler was. All we it does know- is create this environment of ignorance. Right. Which is what leads to hor- many, many horrible, horrible things, things happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, like you, when you, I mean, especially if you want to talk about like the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and the Reformation, like the Catholic, like that period of time yeah. needed someone to bust in and mm-hmm. say, that's wrong. Everyone right. here is acting as though this is okay. And I'm going to say it's not okay. Right. Um, But they weren't, they weren't like, well, this they weren't saying that based off of some um personal feeling or opinion right. they were doing it based on the right. word of god so there there is a way to view history that is biblical mm-hmm. there is a way to mm-hmm. affect change even political change that is biblical right um you but you have to uh view, view it biblically right. <laughs> you have to be able to think right about things and and think about hard things and mm-hmm. and not to say that thinking about hard things will always produce this very clear cut mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. Um but we also I mean we also know that God God is sovereign over mm-hmm. the things that have happened. Yeah. Um well I mean ultimately when I hear when I think about you know an exhibit full mm-hmm. of times that were Mm-hmm. definitely not how our uh, they definitely don't reflect the values of our current society right. even and the values of our current society suck now right. but um or you know uh, heartbreaking stories about women who were being abused and mm-hmm. um couldn't do anything about it other mm-hmm. than take the law into their own hands apparently mm-hmm. um we sh- we should be able to think about those things and we should be able to say Right. Thank you, God, for not that. That's not my life. Right. Be you thankful. Know? Yeah. No. I Thank agree. you for mm-hmm. uh, placing me in a post-Reformation <laughs> the United States. Yeah. Um, no kidding. And yeah, I don't know. That should be a part of it too. Right. Is just understanding that, like, yeah, that we, it's you. You're not that mm-hmm. different. We like to look. We like to paint uh, historical people in this way that says that they're like mm-hmm. a more quaint, simpler. Right. No, no, not they not in some ways, but yeah. no, <laughs> they weren't, they weren't stupid because they didn't have iPads. They were complex people. Right. There were many generals and leaders in the Confederate army that freed their slaves long before people right. in the union army freed their slaves. So it's not cut and dry. It's not black and white. And, I think that if you don't know who Lennon is, you should go find out. Yes, it's very uh, topical in today's. <laughs> very topical. I didn't. We didn't know that was happening. Um, hey, well, we said a lot of things. Yep. Again, here we are. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. You found it interesting. Leave that a- was the goal. Be interested. <laughs> uh, you can leave us a voicemail at four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. 
And we will see you all next week. See you.